0: Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today I'm going to be visiting with one of my friends and colleagues, a former student in one of my programs, Alex Amarosi, who's also a yogi. Uh, really like Alex a lot. He's going to be talking to us about the path of professional astrology today, uh, giving some tips, sharing his story. Uh, you guys know I like to bring people on to do that once in a while, so that's our agenda for today. Don't forget before we get into it to like and subscribe, share your comments in the comments section, click the notification bell for updates if you want to know when I'm going live. You can always find a transcript of my daily talks on my website, NightlightAstrology.com. If you're there and you're taking a look at the courses or the readings that I offer and you have any questions, feel free to email info at NightlightAstrology.com. All right. Well, Alex, I'm super excited to have you here today. Welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, man. This is a joy. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I what year did you come through the the program? Uh 2019 into 2020. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I think I think I remember spending a little bit of the pandemic era with you. I feel like yeah. in the outset. Yeah. I remember us all kind of huddled around the screen. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Well, um, yeah, I wanted to have you on because I think you what you're doing. Um, you know, with astrology, you've been a healing practitioner, a yoga teacher in other modalities for a long time. Um, And we definitely share the path of yoga in common. You've added astrological consulting and counseling to your repertoire. Um, You've been a student of astrology for a while. You came through my program and it was really great to have you there because, you know, whenever fellow yoga teachers are coming through, it's just, it's nice to be able to help a fellow yogi like c- continue cultivating their astrology skills so yeah but for all those reasons i wanted to have you come in and talk a little bit about your journey with astrology i usually start by asking people like how did all of this happen for you when did you first get into astrology in your case maybe tell us a little bit about all the things that you do and how all of it started because there's 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 a, a bunch in your toolkit
1: yeah yeah um I started actually studying, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm rewinding farther and farther in my life now to get back to there. Um, so I probably started, I started studying Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, when I was about 20 and, um, a, I was a classical musician and that's a pretty high strung career path when you're going into it. There's a lot of stress and a lot of hours in it. And, uh, Zen was the first time where I had a sort of formal teacher spiritually even though i didn't have a sort of spiritual background to my life and then um i got into yoga when i was about 24. i had hurt my knee in one of those sort of undiagnosable there's just pain in my knee type of thing um Mm -hmm. no one could kind of figure out what was going on so i started doing yoga and the pain went away in about six months and my uh uh my back started feeling better and i was in a one of those places in my life where where um i had lost direction and i was too young to really put that into words at that point in my life. But I just knew I needed something that would not only be physically good for me, but something that I could um, I could keep enhancing and working with the spiritual practices, which was odd for me because I didn't have a very I didn't have any spiritual background growing up, um, really. And it was something that just kept coming to me as something I need to do, you know, like one of those things that kind of just keeps sticking in your brain like you should do this more. And I loved yoga so much. I did a teacher training program the year after that was 2004 and I started teaching in 2005 and then started teaching full-time in 2006. And, um, I loved it. It was not, uh, you know, looking back, it was one of those things where I was just like, I'll just jump in and teach yoga full-time. And I didn't realize like that, that, that takes some hustle. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't quite used to that. I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna teach a lot of classes to make this work. Um, but then I started training teachers in 2007 and you know kind of in modules and teacher trainings and then started doing more teacher training uh, as I got into 2011, 2012. actually no earlier than that. It's hard to even go back and think about it but um I had done like spirituality, I think, in a way that, I don't know if you found this too, but like, I think when I was first starting out with yoga and spirituality, it was very externally focused. And I was looking for something that would kind of help me escape from in here rather than go deeper in here, even though I would have said I was doing the opposite. So then I hit my Saturn return and everything <laughs> And it got- That's a ever, yeah. It's a is a hefty Saturn return too I have my Saturn's at the tail end of Virgo so uh, and my moon's at the beginning of Libra so I got a Saturn return and then' Saturn conjunct my moon plus I had Uranus opposing my moon and Pluto squaring my moon oh my god so, yeah yeah it was a <clears throat> dynamic time in my life <laughs> and uh <laughs> I remember I went to an astrologer actually up here in Massachusetts and um she looked back at that time with me she looked at the chart and you know how when you see transits in a chart and you go
0: oh yeah exactly
1: (laughs) (laughs) well this is that was certainly a powerful time for you (laughs) You yeah yeah. So, so but that was actually where um so many a confluence of so many things kind of blew apart in my life that it started to show me where i was deceiving myself in my own spiritual practice where i was lying to myself where i was uh, treating myself still with disrespect, but saying I wasn't using sort of spiritual mm-hmm. language. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had like two relationships blow apart within the, the course of a year and really kind of dramatically. So and so um, the, how like this le- led me to astrology I was I was lying on the beach, it's horse neck beach on the south coast here of Massachusetts. And um, I was just lost. It was the first time I could actually like say, I don't know what to do. I have no, no tools in my toolbox to know what to do here, other than to say, I don't know what to do. Hmm. And I looked up at the sky and I still, at that point didn't really have a really theistic understanding of my spirituality, but I just said spontaneously, God, I see what I'm doing and I don't know how to stop. Please Hmm. send me whatever I need to help stop causing myself and other people so much suffering. And, um, I didn't I really didn't know how to stop. I could see it all happening, but it was like compulsive. I I knew I was going to continue in these patterns unless I got something to intervene with it. And uh, I didn't realize when you make a prayer like that, uh, the universe takes you at your word. Oh, yeah. Got thrown in the deep end uh, of my shadow for a while. I had a lot of Pluto going on for a long time. So I was in the underworld for a long time. Uh, And astrology came about sort of at the tail end of that experience. I had gone through all sorts of shamanic and and, and energy work practices that were really helpful. I found a great spiritually based therapist who was super helpful and a great teacher of mine, but astrology was kind of like my last holdout where I was like, that can't really, no, you know, I have a lot of Virgo in my chart. I have a very, very strong Mercury in my chart. Like, no, that, no, 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 that doesn't work. No, no. But, um, I began to realize as I stopped putting down my dismissiveness, you know, um, and I, I try to be open, you know, Sagittarius, try to be very curious and open. I'm, I, I want to learn about everything in the world. It was astrology was describing something I had seen my enti- and felt my entire life. Mm-hmm. It, it was a language where like, it was almost like, like a, a veil had been removed from my eyes and I'm like, Oh, I've seen this my entire life. This language of astrology is describing interactions of energy that i've been aware of forever hmm, right. um and it was just this beautiful formal language and then i i think i may have said this to you in a reading i had with you i was like it just took me over it felt like mm-hmm. it, it really just could, came in and was like now you're obsessed with astro- astrology and I went, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is but how it, it happens really oh. out
0: there. yeah yeah i mean it's funny because i Feel I sometimes you know I I think I heard someone else say this originally, but it's like you're getting bit by the bug, the astrology bug. Yeah, and um, it goes viral in your circuitry somehow, and you you start seeing the world through the archetypes and the language and the transits, and you get really obsessed with your birth chart for a while. That you know, for most people, like the more you start getting into astrology as a student, eventually, you know, you're obsession with your own birth chart sort of chills out a little bit it's always still useful and helpful but it like starts calmed down and then it seems like at some point you start realizing like i know way more about this than most people and i might actually be able to read people's charts <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> so then i guess you do was there a moment for you where you started realizing i mean you were still teaching yoga when i met you and are you and are you still Yeah. I still teach a couple of public classes. Um, I was teaching a lot more
1: when I was, when we first met. Yeah. Um, You're offering
0: readings now, right?
1: Yeah. I'm offering readings. And as part of the, the, the sort of spiritually based coaching and energetic, energetically based coaching that I do um, the charts an invaluable tool Mm -hmm. to have when you're doing that work. And it's just, you know, and my clients really enjoy it because there's something concrete about the chart. You can actually show something rather than, you know, when you're doing a lot of energetic work, you're you're describing something that's very intangible. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started doing readings, I think the, uh, not long after I came out of your class, not long after that. And and that was interesting, too, because <laughs> I, I'm always so impressed with like, when I listen to like, you give a talk or like, you know, Nadia Shah or Rick Levine, you know, these really amazing astrologers, because when I first started, I was like, I couldn't get any words out around. It. I'm like, yeah, Saturn makes things small, and Jupiter makes them big, and you know, it was, it's <laughs> and Venus is love, and Mercury thinks you know, it was just right. smart, like, but I, it was very much like when I talk to you know, I'm training yoga teachers. I always tell them, I'm like, just keep speaking it. You have to like get the language out and. Mm-hmm. Then I began to realize, I'm like, oh, the more I practice this, the more I'm beginning to figure out my own way of articulating that. And it just started to get easier. The more readings I did, it just took practice.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny that we don't talk about this, that astrologers don't talk about this that often. But when you say I'm reading charts for people, you might, you might as well, at least in the beginning for a good while, you might as well say I'm learning to read charts for people because okay you don't develop as a reader unless you, I mean, it's like reading books when you're like my daughter's, uh, you know, going into first grade and she's practicing reading her books every night. And I've watched her not know the word they, and now she does. And now every time she sees it, she recognizes it and she, she understands the why at the end. And so I feel like it's very similar with astrology. And like you said, with yoga teacher trainings, which um, my wife was much more the leader of in our studio for a while but it's the same thing it's like you you don't you can't think to yourself i won't be an astrologer I won't be an astrologer or a yoga teacher until I know how to perfectly talk astrology or yoga it's actually that you learn to read by reading you yeah. learn to teach by teaching and um, so you have to uh, you have to just be confident in knowing that if you just keep talking astrology and talking charts, the language comes in time. And that's really just such a great point you made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think something I learned from your class too, which I really appreciated was the live readings that you do. And to see that um, what 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 I took from that one thing was when watching you do that was by doing so many readings over so many years, you would also develop your own lexicon of how to speak about venus in the ninth house or saturn square the sun or something like that where it came from the experience of seeing people in practice and seeing how it was manifesting in their life and then you start to put it together like one of my reiki teachers a good friend of mine up here she um she calls it your healing glossary when you're doing energy work you just get a sensation that means this or something that means this and you that just takes experience of putting that Mm -hmm. together Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And that, that that just that language acquisition can be so overwhelming for people. And even in the classes, when you're getting you're hitting and hit by so much theory, and, and I'm thinking now about, you know, the way in which I studied as well. And it's that it's that process of just falling into the deep end and um, figuring out that if you just stay there long enough, you don't drown, you actually learn to swim. And uh, it's an incredible thing about, you know, an immersion in any kind of language. I mean, I remember being in Peru for a a good long while, and I knew no Spanish. And suddenly I had like a little bit of working Spanish just by being there and living there for like a month or whatever. So I I think that's just kind of something about language itself. But the thing is, it's really amazing about astrology is that the language is also divinatory. So there's this weird way in which the language act, it happens in reading charts and studying books and so forth. But it's also just like, Oh, Mars is square. Pluto, my daughter, after her sparkler on 4th of July, we just gave them some sparklers and stuff. Her sparkler ran out and she thought it's done. So she grabbed it and it's still hot. Right. She, she burned her finger. And I immediately thought, Oh, Mars is square to Pluto. There's a, she burned, she burned something, something that was like a firework. And, um, it's like suddenly the language acquisition process is just seeping through your experiences too, which is, you know, and then it works with whatever modality you have, like energy healing or yoga or whatever else.
1: Right. Exactly. And I, I found it so, um, it's so helpful too, when you can just make that connection, right. Where you can just say like, oh, Saturn is square of the sun or Venus. It, it, it also helps to, um, it depersonalizes it a little bit. It makes it like a, this is something that's just happening in the ether right now. And like you said, it's almost like the archetype starts to speak to you. It starts to come into your into your psyche and gives you through your own nervous system and your own life experiences the way to see it and describe it.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. And you, in the way that you're, if I understand correctly, what you're saying is that what are often very intangible energetic levels of experience within the energy healing paradigm that you work in become a little bit easier to understand because you can also look to the chart to understand what someone or or where or how someone might be experiencing something
1: yeah that's exactly it exactly and it, it helps them too you know i actually thought um because i brought my own biases from my own sort of like rational virgo stellium you know of like well people don't want to see their astrology chart blah blah, blah. Everybody wants to see their astrology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 clients really like to see it because you know I can give them a little bit of sense of timing. I can show here's Mars, here's Venus, here's here are tangible things and their relationship to each other. That you're exactly it's exactly that. It takes that intangible level of you know that loca of space where it's a little bit more uh, abstract and makes it feel a little bit more real. And I've actually found really comforting for people, even when it's a tough transit, there's something comforting about seeing, oh, here's how this is playing out. These are the interactions of the archetypes that lasts about this long, that sort of idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, a good way of putting it. It is comforting. It's oddly comforting in t- when things are heavy, like, um, my daughter is not at the age where she can appreciate, you know, Mars square Pluto when her finger is burning. Right. And, and like, you know, there's lots of examples like that where we may not be able to appreciate in the moment because it's so intense, but as the healing or reflecting upon experience takes place and we are able to make meaning out of something that's often when it comes in as well, if not sometimes actually in the moment too, which can be pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like, um, what's that, you know, that meme where it shows person with like all the numbers in the air, crunching, calculating, and, you know, to a certain extent, it's like astrologers are walking around the world having experiences while also sort of doing that at times, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to go back in time a little bit and you went from like, okay, I've got an injury or I'm, I'm getting into, by the way, I feel like Zen is really like, such an interest at like to, to me, it makes total sense that Zen would be paired with classical music. Yeah. Like, I feel like of, of the there to me, they're all sort of, you know, I I'm a per, sort of perennialist. So I look at like the similarities between all these different traditions and I'm sort of like, they all are sort of taking us in the same direction. Zen Buddhism though, if I had to describe it aesthetically would to me Be a little bit like you know the classical music of your of your meditative options you know what i mean like so um and and maybe that's not right because someone else might experience like jazz i don't know but anyway i think that's really appropriate but the question that i had was like how did you get how did energy healing come up from like zen and classical music to energy healing seems like a real shift to me like and you mentioned a couple of relationships that were like bonkers or whatever but like how did that shift take place
1: Oh my God. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to connect the dots back in my own mind. Um, Zen was the simplicity of Zen was really helpful for me um, as someone who can get really lost in the weeds of Saturn and Virgo, right You know every everything has to be analyzed to the nth degree. And Zen is very much about like, no, you just kind of sit with your experience. You just experience the world as it is. Um, but I think the most powerful thing about that experience that led me towards energy healing was, and I didn't realize it at the time, my teacher who I can't even remember his last name, his first name was Mark. One of those, I don't know if you've had these types of teachers in your experience where they are so attentive, it's like they can look right through you. And I remember, I'll never forget when he first looked at me, it felt like I had to like cover up, mm-hmm. he was like, he was looking and seeing all of my shit, right? Everything that I didn't want anybody to see, he was somehow seeing and compassionate, just paying attention to me. And I think if I look back, that was the moment where that level of attention, that level of paying attention started to break open something within me that took many, many years to come to fruition. And so I, um, I realized at that moment, somehow that stuff was being released and that difficult, dark shadow stuff, but I didn't have the capacity yet to hold it. So when I got what to 2012, that summer of 2012, and that's when I really, you know, I was going through the thick of those difficult transits, looking back. Um, I had avoided that stuff by being in a relationship and making it all about that other person. I will be the best Saturn and Virgo boyfriend you have ever had. I will be but that way I don't have to see any of this.
0: Hmm.
1: And when I was on the beach that summer and I had that experience, probably my, my first sort of transcendental experience where I really was like broken open out mm-hmm. of no choice. You know, Saturn kind of puts you in that box where you have no choice. Somehow the combination of that experience with Mark, when I was taking his class, going through to that part of the, that the beach that summer which was about 10 years later began to open me to a subtler realm that i had always kind of been aware of but now had become really started to notice like there's something else that's there that's guiding me there's something mm-hmm. else that's present and i want to know what that is i got super curious about it um and that's when i did reiki and i did some shamanic energy work and um I did that in addition to doing therapy, which I found the two of them really helpful because I needed that rational understanding from a therapist. Yeah. And I also needed like the, the understanding of what I, what I had been perceiving. I had my whole life been very aware of people on an empathic level, somewhat in, I don't like the word psychic. Cause I think so much comes along with that, but like aware of the subtler realms, but I didn't have language for it. And somehow, those two experiences 10 years apart began to break me open to realize what I call the subtle universe, that there's a, there's a level of understanding. I don't know if it was something similar with you with ayahuasca in a different way, um, or similar. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I began to realize that when people work, when I worked with the energetic realm of my own being. It was helping me to heal things I thought had already been intractable because it was sort of getting to the root of what was there. But it also helped me realize how much we're picking up from the field around us all the time, and how much information I had been aware of in my chart. You know, in astrology speak, I have a Sun and Neptune conjunction in my chart, so I'm very kind of porous to all of this information. And when I figured out how to work with that and how to integrate it it was the most life-changing experience i have ever had it it took me from feeling super neurotic all the time to this sense of feeling really really grounded and stable within myself for the first time you know it took me 35 years to get there i was about 35 and i wanted to help other people do that um i don't know if that makes sense i was kind of yeah
0: Yeah. it does it's interesting it's uh I think, you know, one of the things that I was that I was thinking about as you were sharing your story is how, how many times we try because people have not been really present for us, often starting with our parents. I think that's a big thing. As a parent myself, I realized that it's not the big F ups. It's really not because humans make mistakes. If I had to say anything that is the biggest challenge of parenting and like the, the worst thing I could do to my kids, it would be to not like, it's not just listening. It's attentiveness. Yeah. It's like being present with them yeah. so that all of whatever, you know, whatever time I have with them, cause it's not all, you know, they have their own space too, but when I'm there with them and I just simply bear witness to who they are and all of their experiences and they see me bearing witness, like present and compassionate and loving, but just, attentive. That's probably the number one gift I could give my kids. Exactly. And I look at my life and I look at, you know, I think my, I think I was very blessed that I, I think I had some quality attention from my parents. And I think, you know, hopefully a lot of people listening had at least some, you know, but if you, and I think here's one of the things that I think results, and I see this in myself and clients, you know, even in my kids is that when you don't feel like people are really paying attention to you, I think there's a way in which you start trying to create a personality or different categories or costumes of personality that will draw people's attention. Exactly. And, and they don't have to be exotic. Like maybe they are. Maybe you, uh, you know, uh, maybe you go. Remember my kids in my in my high school like going gothic. You know, like dark paint or um, uh, mascara or whatever. I mean, and I'm not, and I have no judgments toward that whatsoever, but my point is, is that I look at my life and all the different times in which I tried to like, let me be something to get some kind of attention and how much that goes back to probably places in my life or areas where there wasn't, there weren't a lot of teachers or people who just really were present for me. Yeah. Um, not to again, not to get into like blaming my parents or i I really feel like i've I'm in a pretty good space with all that now. but um, and then I and then, you know, and you think about um, so much of what yoga is, and by extension, what astrology is, when we're looking at our charts and so on and so forth, is we're trying to celebrate and discover all that we really are and being present to all the different facets of who we are. Um, And the fact is that the chart is like, I mean, a parent isn't quite the right word, but it's a witness. The sky somehow witnesses us and is like, hey, I see all of these things. And I think that's why people are like when you said earlier that people are like everyone wants to see their chart i think it comes from that you know and and i think you know there's you go to a yoga studio and just as someone who has been in that world and you have too you'll hear yoga teachers saying you're not your body or your emotions or you're not your thoughts or you're like let them flow through you be present witness them etc but that's only really one part of the story isn't it because as in energy work or i think in shamanic work or in, in astrological chart reading It's not about trying to say, oh, you know, like dissociate from any categories of identity as much as it is to create a space within which you can relate to and develop intimacy with the different parts of yourself. It's hard if you're always trying to... um, be so intensely identified with different uh, categories of personality that there's no space in between you and those categories to relate with. And what I was struck by when you were describing the energy healing in the birth chart is like plus yoga, is that that's sort of what you're able to do. You're able to say, here's, let's get some space so you can see, but also celebrate and be witness to who you are. It,
1: it's there's so, I have so many thoughts. That's so beautiful. And I think so true. And I think that, um, What in in 2012, the great blessing of a Pluto transit is it gets you to start to integrate your shadow, and it gets and to see the shadow and to witness the shadow, which really wants to be seen, which really wants to have witness born to. I always think of you know, I've heard Oprah say over and over again how anybody who ever sat on her stage only ever wanted to be seen, they only ever wanted to be noticed, and I think that the chart does that. I think that. An energetic understanding of yourself does because it it takes you back to a more abstract level where you can look in on what's going on and you don't become like for me I have so much Virgo in my chart I was so obsessed with being good and pure and right and doing things right mm-hmm. that I had no room for the spontaneity and the power and some that comes from different other aspects of my chart and my understanding of myself. And one of the things is, that was coming to me too is, you know, in, in terms of being a gay man and working with other gay men and other queer clients, I have seen nothing more healing than to show them their chart. Because you grow up when, you, when you're LGBTQ, when you're a queer person, you grow up feeling in this culture, you're the wrong one, you're the bad one, you're the outside of the norm one, you're the, the, the Aquarius Saturn, sort of, you know, you're sitting on the outside sort of thing. And I always tell them, like, th- this, this is the witness of your perfection right here in this lifetime. This is mm. looking there is nothing wrong with you. This is how this, this chart is expressing within your unique life. And, you know, even like when you, when you go outside at night, you know, I was thinking about last winter when um, Venus was setting up for a retrograde. And you, uh, out, right outside of my house, there was Venus and Saturn and Jupiter sitting like up in a line for like a month above my house. And I thought, this is so perfect and beautiful. And I would never go outside and be like, hey, Saturn, move over to the left a little bit. Or, hey, Jupiter, <laughs> you know, drop over to the right a little bit because, like, you're a little close. Like, you would never do. you just go and say, this is perfect. And I'm like, we're a part of that. That's, yeah. a- that's showing us that we are all a part of that. And whatever it is, whether, you know, for me, it happens to be with a lot of queer clients. But I think all of us in some way want to remember or have that deep knowing within us that, We're a part of this system. Yeah, in we live. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, I feel like when you were talking about how at first the spirituality that you were embracing was kind of opposite everything you were saying or thinking that it was, and it, it just goes back to the same idea, which is that you know we just we want to be seen and loved so deeply, and I think it's the same thing. Like I. I reflect, um, you know, I, I reflect often on, uh, on this through the different, you know, like my, I like club ayahuasca for 10 years, you know, it was like, got the tattoo right on my wrist. Like I'm an ayahuasca guy, you know? And, um, and I look back at, at this as the tattoo is like, you know, fading and, you know, it's like the further I get from it, the more I, 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 realize like, um, in an experience that made me feel really seen and really um, understood by some presence, some plant intelligence, you know, something bigger than myself, that my first inclination was still sort of a trauma response of, let me tattoo this now on me and be like, that's who I am. This is what I am. Now see me. And, and um, it, it feels like the journey of spirituality with astrology and the thing that the reason I say that we, we obsess over our charts and then we let go of it in some, in some ways is the same. It's like, here's the tattoo of who you are. And then as you get to know your chart over time, it's like the tattoo fades and it, it becomes this really remarkable part of you. And it's still there. Like the birth chart is always this really beautiful piece of who you are, but your relationship, you know, you're not like getting the, uh, the um you know like the virgo tattoo or whatever it is you know you're you're like letting it relax a little bit and it's that relaxation of all of these categories of identity that allow us to actually like inhabit them it's like do you know what i mean and i i just feel like that um that gift that you were talking about with you know working let's say you're working with a young gay man who maybe is on the brink of coming out or something and it's like astrology is at least, you know, maybe in the moment, but in five or 10 years down the road, if the person keeps astrology in their lives, it, it allows them to inhabit exactly who they are. And also, I think more than just validate, it allows you to feel comfortable in who you are over time. Yeah. It, that's
1: exactly it. And that, at least that's how I've, I've experienced it. And I, I've seen that with some clients is you really begin to realize, you know, it's I think we often think that the universe is out there the, you know there's the universe and we look at it through the hubble right and that's how we know there, there's a universe we don't realize like it's everywhere we're <laughs> a part of that here right now it's it's and that you know as as you say so beautifully all the time you know, the, the planets are bearing witness to you they they are seeing you and there is there is nothing wrong with any of the identities in fact what i found was the identities start to go haywire or cause uh, challenges when they're not witnessed.
0: Yeah, when yeah. Not,
1: when they're not allowed to express in some way, that was definitely true with the you know the Saturn Pluto ish darker elements in my chart for me. That's that's what I really began to explore in 2012.
0: That's it. Reminds me of a story. I'll tell this story because I think you'll find this interesting. So I'm I'm going through Saturn in Aquarius opposing my ascendant ruler Venus in Leo. And, um, I had this, first of all, I, with the gas prices and everything, I thought I'd I'd like to, I want to make a switch over to something more environmentally friendly. And like, I started looking at hybrids or electric vehicles and stuff like that. And I found out my, I had been last time that we got cars and stuff like that. We did the car shopping. I, I did the, I got like a family responsible vehicle and I really had wanted a Jeep Wrangler because I had a Jeep Wrangler when I was younger. And it's like, you know, it feeds into my whole ego or whatever. So I'm like, all right, like I can't get a Wrangler. It's not responsible. It's terrible, uh, you know, mileage and e- eco, not eco-friendly or whatever. Well, they made, they made a hybrid, right? And it actually has enough, um, you know, it gets enough uh, miles on the charge where I'll probably fill it like a couple times a year at most, like, so, cause I don't, cause I work from home, I don't travel much. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually, I could, I could get a Wrangler again. Wow, that would be really incredible. Passed it by the wife. She was like, okay. So I was like, wow, this is going to happen. Well, my dad growing up had a Wrangler and he had a a white Wrangler. It was a white Jeep Wrangler and he got it right around 40, right? Which is where I am right now. And it's sort of, in my memory marked the beginning of like a pretty intense downward spiral and like midlife crisis that he had. So I had a lot of trepidation around doing this around 40. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know, I don't want to repeat some pattern or I don't, you know, don't want to be like an in, indulgent because it felt kind of like an indulgent thing. And I was really tripped out about it. And I was talking to my Jungian therapist, like, you know, some somewhat regularly about this, which is sounds so stupid when I say it out loud. But so anyway, I decided to get a black one. And I got it and I was, you know, uh, I was, you know, elated. I was honestly really happy to be so like, this is my old car. Like this is the only car I've ever really loved in my life. And I feel like I have a Wrangler again. It makes me really happy. So I was being geeky about it. And I, I went and my wife jokingly before we were going to bed said, you know, you got to give it a name. And I was like, no, nope, I don't do that because that's. That's weird. And I've always just felt like that was really corny when people name their vehicles. And I'm just not the type. If I had a boat, I know you're supposed to do it with like a boat, but I'll never have a boat. So, okay. Like maybe I'll have like a kayak or a canoe or something. But so I'm like, okay, well, um, I go, maybe something will come up in a dream and it'll give me a name. So I ended up having this dream. And in the dream, I was uh, in the Empire Strikes Back and um i'm in the scene where luke skywalker is realizing that his father is darth vader oh, so wow. yeah so and but in this i'm realizing not that my father is darth vader but that i'm darth vader because i got a black jeep and yeah. not a white jeep my dad had had the white jeep And it was this really and and when i realized that just like in the movie you know with Luke Skywalker, go no like it's just like and i actually i actually woke up from like i actually woke up laughing because it was so absurd and like funny or whatever but then i started thinking about it and like why am i having such an intensely hard time Uh, like i'm not someone um who you know, makes splashy purchases of things that I selfishly want. I don't, I'm not, a, and you know, everything about yoga is really not about materialism. And, you know, so I felt I actually was really, really struggling with this more, I mean, more so than I'm even describing right now. And um, then, you know, so at any rate, w- what I thought was really fascinating was after this dream, I popped onto Instagram and I said to everyone, you know, what would, if you were an astrologer, what would you name your black Jeep Wrangler? And I, it was just a joke. And I put a picture of it up and whatever. And I'm kid you not people who they couldn't see each other responding until I reposted what they responded. And I got probably 40 or 50 responses. And like 10 of them were Darth Vader. Like, I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Or daddy Vader. That was a pretty funny one. Yeah. <laughs> but I So, so sorry. I'll, I'll this story is almost over. So Um, so anyway, um, what I thought was really interesting, I was telling, again, talking to my, uh, Jungian therapist about all of this and I love unpacking dreams with him. And I told him about all of this and he said, you know, what's really interesting is, um, you know, this is a part of you, the, the, the wrangler part of you, the person who likes to drive a wrangler and the part of you that is worried about becoming like your father, who was a Methodist minister who sort of you know, fell down, lost his faith for a time, et cetera. And you're worried about this being this like materialistic shadow that's gonna come up and like take over. It's, it's all very much like the, the, the connection between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and that this is it, whatever. You know what he said, but you know what's really interesting is like what happens to Luke throughout the story? Uh, he starts off in the first, in Star Wars in white, right? Empire Strikes Back, he's in gray. And yeah. by Return of the Jedi, he's in black. And and he's got the black robe on, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I never thought of this.
0: Yeah. And um, along the way, when he's realizing that his father is Darth Vader, he's just gotten his hand chopped off. And like his father, he starts to have a part machine yeah. on his body. And he he just, you know, was saying, like, there's there's something about incorporating. All parts of ourselves, the dark, the shadow, everything that's, you know, it's even a part of his story in star Wars. And it was the simplest explanation to me ever. Um, that, and and it made so helped me make so much sense of Saturn currently opposing Venus, getting this black, uh, yeah. s- perhaps materialistic thing. And, but it's the shadow that needs to be incorporated. Um, obviously, we can go to extremes, we can get destructive, and we can, we can fall into the illusion of materialism. And I think we have to be vigilant about that. But what I hear you saying, and that, that long story is a long-winded way of saying that, isn't that exactly what astrology is helping us do ultimately with all of these different parts of ourselves, is like, actually, the, the cosmos is this perfectly arranged collection of things. And astrology is somehow just helping us bring that picture back into our understanding of ourselves a thousand percent you know it's
1: what what comes up for me too and that i'd never thought of that that white gray black that now i'll never unsee that that's amazing um
0: i know right i hadn't thought of it either he totally blew my mind with that
1: i mean and i'm not, I'm not a star Wars. i'm a serious star wars geek like i've yeah. read the, like that whole thing like it, it, the whole thing um but I also was thinking, too, about how, you know, I've taught from this before and I've done talks, is, you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, Luke draws on his anger. He draws on his shadow side to defeat or bring down Darth Vader. But he make, he has it under control. He's able to see it, witness it. He sees the hand and then throws, you know, the lightsaber. You know, you'll never make me a Sith or, you know, I'm always I'm a Jedi or something like that. But. I always think that that's interesting because we work so hard, you know, and from this story that I'm hearing from you and and maybe in a different way, my experience in 2012, and I'm still working with this in a lot of ways is this, we work so hard at saying my shadow is bad. My darkness is bad. Well, I, when I go outside at night and see Saturn and Jupiter in the sky, I don't look up at Saturn and say, Saturn is bad and Jupiter is good. I'm like, they're both beautiful. They're both beautiful. And they're both necessary, you know, to, to, it's it's the sense of being able to step back. And as I would see it at the end of Return of the Jedi, that's what Luke's able to do. He's able to have a pause of reflection, a, a mindfulness moment almost of saying like, oh, if I keep going, then I do become this, but I'm actually incorporate, he incorporates it. And then he can throw it away and say, I can draw on this. I'm aware of it. It's integrated with me, but I don't have to let it run me.
0: Yes, and- yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's what was happening for me um, in, in you know, my experience. And I'm still working with this in a lot of ways is when you realize exa- exactly what you said, it's it's all a part of us. The cosmos is representing a whole a whole. And all of it can be witnessed and seen and all of it has its place. You know, Mars has its place. Pluto has its place. The planets we call malefic or, you know, can be difficult. But they have their place. I'm grateful eternally for my moon getting blown apart by by Uranus and Pluto over the course of <laughs> two years. I mean, it was tough. It was really tough. But it woke my ass up.
0: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
1: It it made me, um, you know, Saturn in their in the mix too. It boxed me so f- into it boxed me in so that I had to ask for help and I had to I had to look at what I had been trying to avoid for so long.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's funny. Um, I forgot to mention this part of the story. It fits in perfectly what you were saying. So I, I through all of this, um, I kept thinking, you know, I was reflecting a lot of my birth chart in the Saturn-Venus transit. And so the name that came to me, and I'm not, I can, I cannot, um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to actually refer to my Jeep with a name, but if it had a name, it would be Dark Star. Nice. Yeah, just nice. perfectly, like, And I think about, you know, like I was born in a nighttime chart, uh, chart, um, sect light is the moon in Capricorn, a Saturn ruled sign full, full moon, you know? So I was, I'm a child of a dark star. I'm a child of Saturn in a way. You got to find room for that. You got to exactly, like you said, you got to go outside and be able to be like, that's beautiful too. Um, that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to bhakti yoga in particular is that as the yoga, really the emotional yoga, it's about, um, recognizing the, the, divinity in all states of feeling like all yeah. all moods all atmospheres all states of feeling as expressions of something divine and i've always so for me that was like always been super attracted to that as a very moody capricorn moon <laughs> you know <laughs> you have to <laughs> have to find room for those things otherwise you end up feeling like a bad person or you try to hide parts of yourself and you know what's not at the end of the day there's just uh there's nothing like feeling like there's a place on your shelf for for all all of you, you know.
1: All of you. And and your chart says that, you know, it's funny it's funny as you say that too, because my favorite chapter in the Gita is um the cosmic vision. You know, pl- you know, Arjuna, is, please show oh, me yeah. the true form. And the language of the description, it's like, yes, there are beautiful scenes, but there are terrifying scenes, and there are, you know. Keep um, going. It, uh there's so many, um, There's a totality in that vision. Really, really amazing.
0: See if Um, I can, I don't know if I can angle this over there. Can you see see that right there? Kinda.
1: It's a little blurry.
0: There it is. There's the universal vision right there. Oh
1: man. Yes. So it's just, and
0: there's, you can't really see it, but there's like fire. There's like mouths, like eating people and stuff. It's pretty crazy.
1: There's there's something, oh, that's beautiful. Um, Had to show you
0: that. No, no, that
1: was, like I'm like I gotta go out and get that right now. Um, there's a, there's a, there's you know the the thousand eyes with a th- and a thousand stomachs and like the whole like these really incredibly indestructive images and creative images. And I, I've all I never really realized years ago why I was drawn to that, but it's exactly this right that God, the great mind or the luminous mind, you might say, in, in the traditions I study. There's a totality
0: in it. It's all present. It's all part of it. How could hallelujah mean anything but that? Right. You know, like I've always I've always felt that way. I'm like, what are we going to hallelujah this but not that? I mean, hallelujah yeah. seems to bring it all in, you know? So
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the t- <laughs> 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 It's true. It's so true. And you know, even you know, even Luke, you know, hanging on there, you know, with his one hand, you know, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god dude we have gone from star wars to all devouring universal minds like this is the this has been the best this has
1: really been fun but uh thank you for uh yeah thank you for sharing that story it's, that's uh i, I don't know I, I i get that on a deep level that i'm a different way from my own life
0: well, you inspired me to share that story because i it's just as you we were talking, I was like, oh, I've, I've, you've got to hear the story. But I want before we go, we've been going back and forth about a lot of interesting things. Hopefully people have found this in this conversation stimulating. Um, give us, I don't know, a couple of rapid fire, uh, luminous pearls of wisdom for people who are studying astrology or thinking of getting more serious about it, thinking of starting a practice. Give us a few few gems that we can leave with first thing I would say is
1: definitely take a class. You have, it, it, it's, you, you really need the feedback and take one with nightlight astrology, but, no. <laughs> but seriously, no, you know, one of the things I really appreciate, and this is not just to, you know, smoke up your ass. It's true. You, um, put together a real curriculum of a class and, and you really, I think you need a teacher to reflect things off of, um, to ask questions, to get some solid, it's like music. You, you need to learn how to play your scales and do your arpeggios before you can learn how to play concertos and symphonies. You just have to learn how to do that. So take a class. The other thing I would say is, um, get really precise with the moon cycle that has helped me immensely. Like if you really want to start getting like sort of nitty gritty with astrology, track the moon for two or three months as it goes through the signs and watch where every other planet is and the dignity of that planet. And on a felt level, that has helped me more than anything to get a sense of like, what are the interactions of these energies? Cause the moon reflecting that down for me has been immensely helpful, just like two or three months of just really tracking where the moon is and where all the other planets are. Um, the other thing I would say is just do it. Start reading for friends. Uh, that's what I did. And, um, it actually helps, I think, to start reading for people who um, you know a little bit because you can you can actually start to see archetypes a little bit easier in that way. Um, and uh, don't be afraid to sort of stumble over yourself as you begin because it actually does loosen up faster than you think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The stumbling is the loosening, right? Yeah, for sure. You
1: know, it's. I, I've seen in now many, many years of teaching yoga teachers, people who have studied or, or practiced yoga for a long time. And, you know, we get into the first weekend of teacher training. I'm like, come on up and teach sun Salutation A's, which is a fairly repetitive process that happens in many flow yoga classes. And they've done those for years, but all of a sudden they're frozen in the language of bringing it out into expressing it to others. And yeah. That's what I always say to them. I'm like, you're 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 trying to express what you've always felt, but you're now trying to marry the words to that, and you just have to do that. You have to repeat it often in order for it to
0: manifest a little bit easier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such solid advice. Um, you give readings. I think one of the pieces of advice that I would add is uh, get readings from people, uh, get it, get some different eyes on your chart other than your own when you're studying. It really helps. Um, it helps to see how people read. It helps to learn something new about your chart. Uh, on that note, I will return Alex's favor of recommending my class and recommend that you check out his website, Alex People can book readings there or to just get in touch with you to book a reading there.
1: Get in touch with me. I'm actually I should have a new website live in the next couple of months where you'll be able to book. But for now, just contact me from there on the email.
0: And then, Instagram is at Alex Emiroci Healing, um, and you can follow Alex uh, posting videos. You do live streams occasionally, and um, yeah, and there's lots of good content there for people to follow up with.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Achuta. This has been this has been awesome. Really yeah. awesome.
0: Really fun, fun. I feel like we uh, we ranged across the universe and uh, found that it was also right here.
1: Yeah, we also got to a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, if you uh, want to, you can go back in the archives and check out other episodes of this series, Becoming a Professional Astrologer. There are lots of good conversations in there with lots of other really unique amazing people so be sure to check those out Um, don't forget before we go to like and subscribe share your comments on this episode helps helps the algorithm to direct people to this channel really appreciate that you can always find a transcript of the daily talk on my website nightlightastrology.com all right well that is it for today thanks everyone for listening and thanks alex for being here thanks so much